Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Well, what's wrong with asking Jesus to come into my heart? But one, this is not talking about salvation. You see, this is talking about those who have already trusted Christ as Savior. And dwelling in your hearts is dwelling in your mind so that God can control your life. Remember, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is what you think with, that little brain up there. And so... The inner part of the man himself. Whatever you want to say, this is me. God wants to indwell you and control you. Now, he may live in you because you trusted Christ as Savior, but he has no control of you. In other words, mom and dad may have a little boy, but that don't mean you can control that boy. Now, he's in the family, but you may not have control. I know a lot of parents who've had a lot of teenagers... And have absolutely no control over them. In other words, most teenagers are raising their parents. They tell them what they're going to do. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But he makes a statement that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, you're already saved. So this is not talking about how to be saved. Being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend or to understand all the things and so forth that God wants you to know and to do. So yes, there's verses in the Bible that talks about Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith. But we're talking here about how he's living within you. He's dwelling with you, you in him, he in you, and without him you can do nothing. But it's talking to those who are saved and not to those who are lost on how to be saved. Uh, there's no verse in the Bible that says, ask Jesus to come into your heart in order to be saved. Now it's a wonderful little statement, but it just doesn't have any foundation to it. It is not clear. And it's very difficult to explain to little children because we had in Colorado, in uh, our youth meeting, uh, the little kid was sitting down in the front row and just crying his eyes out. And the reason, because somebody made the statement, you know, these wonderful little children workers and told the little kids that they had to ask Jesus to come in the heart, but he can't come in unless you undo the latch. And the latch is on the inside, so you have to undo the latch so you can let Jesus in. Now, don't that sound just wonderful? And the little kid was crying. Finally talked to him. He didn't know how to undo the lock. The door was locked on the inside. And he didn't know how to undo the lock. Well, that's not what I really meant. Then don't say it. Say what you really mean. Don't give a kid something they have to try to figure out. What do you mean by that? Whenever you tell somebody you're going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Really? That's not the truth. That's a lie. This thing down here. It pumps blood. Now, a lot of times people, when they get scared, the heart beats. 
Oh, they feel love and the blood flows. Yes. Oh, Penelope. Oh, Penelope. Yes, your heart beats. And, oh, that's because of your mind controlling how you're thinking and that affects everything else. Like I told you one day. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to be careful around y'all, you know. This boy kisses this girl. And <laughs> she, she got chills up and down in her back. And his popsicle was dripping. Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 6. Turn all the way over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And look there in verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. It makes a statement. Verse 4, first of all, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, Jehovah, our God, Elohim, is one, Adonai. And thou shalt love the Lord, thy God, with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And they said, Yay, we will do that. Well, they didn't do that. How do you know you really love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength? How do you know? When you obey the law perfectly. Okay, how you doing? Nobody ever did for 15 years. 15 years. 1,500 years. First mistake I've ever made. But does God want us to love him with all our heart? With all of your being. It's not very romantic to say, I love you with all my mind. Just sounds more romantic. I love you with all of my heart. Yes. Now the girls or toenails will curl up and all kind of stuff, you know. It's just, but you got to do right. Some things just don't sound romantic, you know. But anyway, take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms 119. 119th Psalm. Psalms 119. Now there's a lot of interesting verses in the 119th Psalm. There's more than two or three, but quite a few. But in the one we just looked at in Deuteronomy, that they're supposed to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and so on. Well, they didn't, and they can't, and they won't. And um, you have to admit total bankruptcy. I can't do what the law requires. And so I... Trust Christ as my Savior. That's the only way, because you cannot perform and live the way God wants you to live without a new birth. It's totally impossible. That's why you need a new birth. But here in 119 Psalm, look there in verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. I hid it in my heart. When you start memorizing Scripture, it's probably going into your computer up here, into your mind. I put God's word in my mind. Now, if you think it's down here, one of the problems I used to have with the kids, and they would always ask the question, what if Jesus is in my heart? Jesus is in my heart. And then what if you have a heart transplant? And you have a heart transplant and somebody who didn't have Jesus in their heart, and they gave you the heart of an unbeliever. And they just took your heart out. There goes Jesus. 
incomes zero. And what if you died right after Jesus is gone? Now what, what happens to you? You got a problem. So I, I'm glad that I don't have to get into all of that stuff, you know. It just complicates things. You just know that I, be, I believe it. The heart sometimes is just for, it's me. I, I believe it. Now, I don't care where God put that little brain of mine. He could have put it in my toe. <laughs> I don't care where it's at. But I believe. I was, I've been over the other day. I was going to see if I could, no, tie my shoe. You know, Betty can bend all the way over and stand up and tie her shoe. Now, if God wanted a man to do it, he'd have put my feet on my knee. It is a long way down there. And I get a, a creak in my... <laughs> Those of you that are older in here, you kind of get the idea. But I, I, I don't know where everything is. Christ is living in me. The Holy Spirit is living in me. Now, where He wants to roam, I don't care. If He wants to spend one day in this room, or this room... Or that room, or that room, or in here, or up there. I don't care. He's in me. And how much room he's got to run around in, I don't care. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And I know it and I believe it. And I don't try to get it so complicated that it becomes a, a bog to my mind. But I know this. He says, I want to hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the Holy Spirit bringing things to your remembrance because it's been put into your mind. So we study the Word of God so we can put the Word of God up here. The Holy Spirit uses the Word that's stored up in the brain, in the mind. And they said that most of us never use 90% of our brain. Well, that's the part I got from my new birth then. I don't really know and don't care. But it's not wise to try to get a lost person to ask Jesus to come into their heart. Because now you've got to find out, okay, now how do you know when he did? And what verses would you use to verify it? So you've got automatic problems. Now look in Psalms 44. Psalms 44. Let's turn to your left a few pages there. Psalms 44. And look in verse 21. You ought to underline this verse. He says, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. God knows how you think, knows how you feel. Knows what you know, knows what you don't know. Knows what you're hiding. Knows what you've done, haven't done. God knows everything. John chapter 2, when he was talking about Christ and the temple and so forth, he knew what was in man. Wouldn't you like to be able to read people's thoughts? Ew. I wouldn't mind reading people's thoughts. I just don't want them reading mine. But God can. As you sit here right now, do you really understand? Can you grasp it? God knows what you're thinking. God knows what you're thinking. Isn't that scary? He knows, and does he know if you're trusting him or not? 
Does he know if you're really worried or not? I'm just trusting the Lord. God says, you are not. <laughs> you can't fool him. You can't lie to him. But God knows the heart of man. Knows everything about us. Look in Psalms 34. Just turn back 10 chapters there. Psalms 34. And look in verse 18. Psalms 34 and look in verse 18. There's two verses here I want you to look at. But verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a, a broken heart. A broken heart. Now in the uh, book of Psalms 51, in around verse 17, it talks about David praying to the Lord. You know, because a broken heart, a contrite heart, God will not despise. It's talking about a person who has humbled himself before God. It's the humility that you have between you and God. God hates pride. And a person who exalts himself, God will humble you. But if you will humble yourself, God will exalt you. So keep that in mind. And look in verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of most of them. You know, that's enough to scare you to death if it said that. But isn't it great consolation though, that he delivered them out of them all? Because, see, God knows your thoughts. God knows how you think. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you face. God knows what I'm facing. And he says that we can look to him and he, he will deliver us out of them all. So that's why you don't have to worry about what's coming down the road. Because God's going to deliver you out of all of them anyway. And the man who trusts the Lord doesn't see all the evil. As it says in Jeremiah 17. But if you're not really trusting the Lord, all you see is the problems that will scare you to death. And the fear produces torment. And a lot of people are tortured, but they do it to themselves. Uh, take your Bible and look in Proverbs chapter 17, since we're so close here to uh, Psalms. Proverbs chapter 17. And look there in uh, verse 21, first of all. He that begatteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. That's why we, as parents, don't like for our children to be fools, because it doesn't bring you any joy. But look what in verse 22. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Did you know that I've had people say that when they come to Calvary and we're all standing and we're all singing and then he says, greet one another. And, 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 and 50 to 100 people are moving all over the place. Now, there are always, you know, some people, they just stand there and wait until you come to them and shake your hand. But then there's others who get out of their seat and go meet somebody and them, sometimes it, it, they're scared to death, but they do it. But by being friendly and with a smile and walking up to somebody, saying, how do you do? Glad to see you. Shaking their hand. You know, at least it makes a person feel welcome, warm. That you're glad to see them. Or you walk up to somebody, hi, you're here again. <laughs> What'd you come for? A merry heart is not only good medicine for you, it's good medicine for somebody else. That's why somebody, you know, let's say, for example, our, a Peter Amato, he just finished singing a beautiful song. 
I mean, he poured his heart out, gave it all he had. And ten people came up and said, boy, Peter, that really blessed my heart. That was such a wonderful song. Now, God really touched me through that message. And he can go back to the back. And one person walk up and says, that stunk. <laughs> Did you know that one remark will have more weight than those ten good ones? And he's liable to get in his car, cry all the way home, and run his car into a ditch because that one, one nasty comment. There is power in having a, a merry attitude, a merry spirit. It's good medicine. But you go the opposite direction, and it's dry to the bone. It eats up your body. It's like cancer eating you up inside. The bitterness... It doesn't do you very well, but it'll help you to stay healthier longer. Uh, let me give you this. The reason that I do not like to use that phrase of asking Jesus to come into your heart, because that response, ask Jesus to come into your heart, is not in the Bible. That's one reason that I, I don't use it. That's one of the reasons that I don't use it. It's not in the book. It doesn't say do that. Now, there are verses in the Bible that says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So I don't mind telling people just to believe that what Christ did on the cross was for them, and if they trust Christ as Savior, they can have eternal life, because the Bible says that. The Bible says that. You say, but doesn't the Bible say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come in and sup with him. Well, yes, in, in the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. But th that's, that's not talking to the lost man. That's talking to the believer. So you see, you've got to separate you know, what's about salvation and what's about service. Uh, that's something that believers ought to do. We ought to, as a child of God, dwell with the Lord. It means to abide in him. It says that in the book of John chapter 15. Yeah, we're to abide in the Lord. And so when it comes to the, the phrase itself, it's not good to use. It's not in the Bible. Uh, the second reason is not how someone is saved. Asking Christ into your heart is a result that you should not ask for. You've got to do what will bring the result. In other words, Jesus come into my heart. They don't come. My lungs. My liver. My toe. You can ask Jesus to come in any part of your body you want to, but he doesn't do that. Well, how am I going to get him to dwell in my heart? Him indwelling you is the result of you trusting him. You have to know who he is and what he did and trust him as your savior. And then by doing that, Christ will indwell you. You never have to ask the Lord to indwell you because that's automatic. That takes place because you trusted him. But if you don't trust in him, you're asking for the result, and it won't work that way. So asking people to ask Jesus to come into your heart, it requires no understanding of the gospel. It mean, you don't have to understand the gospel at all. Just ask Jesus to come into your heart. But see, that's not clear. Then you don't know if he did. And then how do you know he doesn't leave? Oh, he was there yesterday. Well, how do you know he's there today? 
So when you don't understand anything, all you know is, I know I'm saved because I asked Jesus to come in my heart when I was a little kid. And a lot of people put in confidence in that. That's not a good foundation to trust in. Because that doesn't mean that you understood you are a sinner and you have to pay for your sins and you're lost and you're going to hell and Christ died on the cross and paid for your sins and only by you trusting Him and Him alone for what He did. But if you don't know what He did and you don't know how bad you are and you think just asking Jesus in the heart is going to get you to heaven, it won't work that way. Christ has become of no effect unto whomsoever that is seeking to be saved or justified by anything that they say or do. You're saved only because you're trusting Christ as your Savior. So it does confuse the means of salvation with the result of salvation. It results in no assurance of salvation, and it becomes a false assurance if anybody thinks they're going to heaven. Because when you stop and think about it, there's no verse that says God will save you if you do such a thing. Now, it doesn't matter how many children workers there are that love the little kids. If the message is still unclear or false, it's still unclear and it's false. That's why you're supposed to fight for the defense of the gospel. This is why Paul says in the book of Philippians in chapter 1, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Defend the message. God did not say go into all the world and ask kids or teenagers or adults to ask Jesus to come in their heart. You have to understand the gospel message. And that is a poor substitute for understanding. And some little children, that's all they know because that's all they were told. And I've heard a lot of little kids give testimonies, I asked Jesus into my heart. And they might be very sincere. But wouldn't it be a shame for a lot of kids to be lost and going to hell because they trusted in something because some adult told them this is what you had to do. And they got it all mixed up trying to get the results of salvation instead of the means of salvation, how a person is saved. Asking Jesus into your heart does not clarify the conditions of salvation, so it doesn't make it simple, it doesn't help it to be clear, it doesn't do anything for the gospel. Therefore, I do not do it at all. I told you when I started, I did it at one time. As far as I know, that was the only time that I ever did do it. And as far as I know, that was the last time I ever did it. Because I saw that myself. I stood there looking at those two little kids and knew they were lying to me. I feel it right here. I've been saved for four years and I hadn't felt it right here yet. So um, maybe I wasn't saved. But you're not saved because you feel it. You're saved because God said it and you accept it. That settles it. So it's uh, the easy thing for a person to know and to do is just use what God says, the way God said it. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me, and the wallet represents all the bad things that we do. And everybody's done bad things. God calls this, this is our sins. This is you and me. Now God says that we've all done things wrong because we have an old sinful nature. So everybody does things wrong. So we're all in the same boat. Nobody's in it better than anybody else. God is not a respecter of persons. And he said, all have sinned. All have come short of his righteousness. 
everybody. So we're all in the same boat. God says that to pay for that is eternal separation from God in hell. So since everybody sins, everybody's condemned. Now to go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. But you can't have sin in heaven. So we got to do something about this. And this is why most people believe that if you go to church and do good things, those good things will take care of these bad things. So these good things, in reality, in their mind, is paying for the bad thing they've done. But God doesn't say to pay for these bad things you did is do a lot of good things. And those good things will take away the bad things. And when you die, it depends on do you have any left? Or did you have more good than you had bad? That's not the Bible. And it will not get you to heaven. God says you cannot earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Now he hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, did not have to die. He took ours, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. So he died for the sins of everybody. And all that we have to do is believe that he did it for us. So when you believe that he did this for you, he puts that payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what he did. Why? Because all my sins are paid. There's no sin for me to pay for. He already paid for them. You don't have to pay for it twice. So when he died on that cross, he paid for my sins. I believed it, and that settled it. I'm going to heaven on this foundation, this truth. Christ died for me. If he died for me, then that means I don't have to die and pay for my sins because he did it for me. Don't that make sense? So now I'm going to heaven. I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die, and I've known that for over 50 years. Best thing in the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, or if you're listening by Internet, remember right where you are, God knows who you are. God knows what you've done. God sees all. He knows your thoughts. Knows how you think, how you feel. He knows if you believe it or you don't. He said if you would believe it, that he did it for you, he would put that payment he made to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Don't put trust in man. Cursed is the man who trusteth in man. That means in you too. Because God says you can't save yourself. You don't have the power to save yourself. You'd have to live a perfect, righteous life from the day you were born. You've already blew that. So why not right now in the quietness of this moment just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me. And I'm going to trust you as my Savior. And friend, if you'll make that decision, I'd like to have prayer for you. So we head by nice clothes. Anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me. And tonight, right now, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything to you. But you see, you preacher, that made sense to me. And I want to know I'm going to heaven. And I'd like you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Just slip it up, put it right back down. You that are watching by internet, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior by listening to the radio broadcast or the internet, would you please let us know? We'd love to hear from you. Just email us. Or whatever way you can, but we'd love to know. It'd be such a blessing to us. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one for being here. 
and for the study of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.